Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, whatever you want to call it, wherever you're at in the world. I'm Rob, and this is the Salt Lake Sit-Down. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to talk about, uh, going to talk about tattoos, uh, kind of what they mean on the surface and what they can stand for underneath, so to speak, under the skin. I'm going to talk about community property, uh, especially as it pertains to community property states. This is for you guys out there that are marriage-minded. I'm also going to talk about common law, common law marriage. Uh, granted, I'll preface it right now and say I am not an attorney and I'm not offering legal advice. So, But what I am offering you is a little bit of insight for those who don't know and that you do need to look into it, especially if you live in a state that has community, that is a community property state and or has common law marriage. I'm also going to talk about uh, Deering, a little hat tip to Ryan Stone, who, as far as I know, came up with the acronym. DEER stands for Defend, Excuse, Explain, and Rationalize, and I know I've talked about it before, but it bears repeating, and not just in the sense of talking to or with women, but with people in general. Uh, I'm going to talk about credentials, some stuff I've been reading this last week or so that talk about credentials. Uh, why they're important, how to get them. I'm going to also talk about uh, my own little modified version of monk mode that I've done this last week. Gonna give a little lowdown, a little play on that of what that was like. And I also want to kind of discuss a little bit as a, a random thing, uh, dreams as far as for me. And I'm not talking about what they mean or the, uh, I guess, the significance of dreams. I don't put a lot into them, but I just something I've noticed about them. So anyway, let's uh, let's get going here. It is May 25th, the Memorial Day weekend, 2017. It's just a couple minutes after 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. All right. Let's talk about tattoos for a minute here. As you can see, or hear, trust me on this, uh, I've got quite a few tattoos. I've had them for, I started getting them in 2000, was when I got my first tattoo. And my last tattoo that I got was, I believe, 2011, I think. I haven't gotten one since, and I'm at a point in my life that as far as getting more tattoos, no, I'm, I'm done. I, I've gotten what I wanted. I'm good. Okay. When I was growing up, my uh, father has and still, you know, had and still has a tattoo on his bicep. Uh, it's a 
Air Force emblem. It's, it's part of their thing. That's when he went into the Air Force during the Vietnam conflict. When I got my first couple of tattoos, my father asked me, well, he said initially that I was going to regret them. And, uh, and that's based on his experience because he regrets his tattoo. He's had this tattoo now for over, God, I would say probably over 50 years. He even looked into getting it uh, removed. He, he looked into the laser removal. Uh, decided against it considering the cost at that time. My father regrets his tattoo because at the time he did it, he did it on a drunken whim and a dare. He and his friends had just volunteered for the Air Force uh, instead of being drafted into the Army. And literally right after they got out of the recruitment center or wherever they signed up, they went down the street, had a few drinks, and found a tattoo parlor, and I don't know if it was him that came up with the idea or someone else, but they they got tattooed. Well, he got tattooed. The, the point was supposed to be that all of them were going to get a tattoo. Turns out my father was the only one who sat in the chair and got the tattoo. The other guys chickened out. Anyway, point of this whole ramble is it's come up before in my life and it's come up on social media and uh, it's talking about in particular women getting tattoos but I think it can apply to men too. Most people I've encountered that have any amount of tattoos they're usually not always but usually there is a story behind each tattoo there, there's meaning for the person that got the tattoo. Now, I, I truly believe that there's not just one meaning. There's the surface meaning that the person who has a tattoo will tell you what that tattoo signifies. That, you know, it's this point in my life, it was this event that happened, it's me overcoming, it's me going through... Whatever it is, okay? And and I have my surface stories for my tattoos as well. Every one of mine, there's, there is a story there. They have meaning to me. I gave them a lot of thought when I uh, went in to get them. So you have the surface level, but then underneath it, there's usually more going on. I know when I started getting tatted up, uh, I, I, was, I was in not good places mentally emotionally there were things going on that you know there's there's underlying messages in them too and you can use that when you meet people that have tattoos and i'm not saying this in a like a judgmental sense like they're bad people because they're not that everyone everyone has their shit everyone goes through their thing but they're also a great way to kind of get an idea of who you're dealing with, or at least who they were at the time. I will say that. People can change. They do grow. Uh, change is not something that usually happens quick and effortlessly. A lot of times it takes a long time. Most people 
like to stay a prisoner of their stories. And what is tattoo art but a way of telling stories? It's a way that we visually, you know, it's, I mean, some people with the script tattoos have written words on their bodies. Others have pictures. You know, every tattoo I have there, it's a picture of something. It's a visual story. The point is, a lot of people I've encountered when they get their tattoo, yeah, they're they're telling their story, whatever it is, but by making it permanently part of their body, they're identifying with their story and they're probably not going to change it. Rather, it's kind of a victim mentality, you know, and, and it can be a positive thing. Not saying that it's always negative, but when I've encountered people that had that are heavily tattooed, they're they're not usually the most stable people. Okay, even me when I was getting tatted up, I wasn't the most stable at that time. Okay, even now I'm still working on it. We all we all go through it. Um, I know a couple of young women or younger women. And both of them, the two that I'm thinking off the top that I know personally, they are heavily tattooed. Uh, Full sleeves, tattoos on their legs, you know, like full socks or whatever you were calling them these days. Uh, Chest pieces, that's a big one. They've got a lot of issues. Um, One gal, she's 21, turned 21 earlier this year. And... She's the textbook that you see online of what to avoid when it comes to red flags. She's heavily tatted up, multiple piercings, uh, shaved the side of her head, uh, multicolored hair. Um, unfortunately for her, I mean, she she didn't just drink the Kool-Aid, she drank the whole punch bowl. And she's already you know, diminishing her own natural beauty. And that's, to me, is one of the saddest things when I look at her. She's absolutely beautiful. And before she got heavily tatted up, she was even more beautiful. And her tattoos, in her eyes, make her more beautiful, but the reality is, no, they take away from it. Now, she has one tattoo in particular on her leg that mentions something or other about like fuck death something along those lines and it's her way of trying to state you know i've i've overcome my demons of cutting she is or was a cutter uh i don't know why i don't know the the details i don't know why she cut I know a lot of people that end up being cutters, they've, they've had some kind of a severe trauma. They've, they've had something, something heavy, something big. A lot of times it seems like a lot of them, it's some kind of abuse. Now, I like to think that that didn't happen in her family. I, I like to think I know her family better that any kind of physical or sexual abuse, I'm thinking, probably didn't happen in her case. But she's covered her scars with her tattoos. 
And when I say she's no longer cutting, I, I hold a caveat to that. She may not be taking a knife or a razor to her body herself, but she's literally using tattoos as a form to cut. Uh, you hear people, I've even said it when I was younger, gotta go get some ink therapy. Okay, uh, that is something I've heard her say, and when she gets stressed out, when she's having a rough time with whatever's going on, she gets in the chair and, and gets work done. Whether it's continuing whatever she's already started, or it's start something new. So... I look at her and I think, you know, this poor girl, she's, she, she is the, she, it's, she is a cliche, unfortunately. She is a, a walking, talking, living, breathing meme of social justice warrior. And, uh, if I didn't see it in real life, in real time, I, I would almost think that some of the, the memes and the pictures that get circulated around the internet the internet I would almost think that they are a parody that they're a joke that oh this is extreme this this isn't this this is someone's wild fantasy and they rolled everything up into one picture and made this caricature except I know one in real life you know I I've she's she's got man she's got issues and she's only 21 just kind of starting to hit her peak and she's already kind of over that edge. Tattoos. My ex-wife has a, a bunch of tattoos. She had a bunch before I met her, and she got even more while we were married. She she has more tattoos than I do, and I have a lot. You know, I I am I, I wouldn't say in today's modern world that I'm heavily tattooed anymore compared to a lot of people, but I definitely have a lot. And. It, it, it's a warning sign. I've talked about it in a, a prior video called uh, She Might Be Crazy. I'll, I'll put a link up there for you to, to watch it if you're interested in that. But one of the things, going back to the unspoken message, like I said, there's, there's the message that they'll tell you that they want you to know, the conscious message, but then there's the untold message. And... At least in my experience, and, you know, I hate to stereotype, but stereotypes exist for a reason. And every, every woman I've met, even every guy I've met, that is heavily tattooed, heavily tattooed, they, they've got issues. They've got things under the surface, sometimes on the surface, but they've, they've got things going on. And so... It's a, it's a great indicator of what you're going to get yourself into. Uh, my ex-girlfriend, when I first met her, didn't have any tattoos. She got one and then was talking about getting more. She wanted a back piece and things on her hips and, and just cover herself up. And it's her body, you know, if that's what you want to do, you're an adult, I, I can't make the decision for you, but I did tell her it will take away from your natural beauty, because she is and was a natural beauty, it's like, you, you, you have a beautiful body, tattooing the one tattoo you got, okay, fine, 
It's fairly small. It was actually done very well, and it actually accentuates her femininity. But anything more would just be a distraction and would take away from it. And I remember, <clears throat> I remember telling her that. But hey, teach, teach their own. Well, she decided over time not to do anymore. That the one was enough, and and I hope that sticks for her because all she would do is diminish her own natural beauty. All she would do is take away from what nature, God, whatever gave her. Uh, and that's the sad thing when I think of the other couple women that I know that are heavily tattooed. Uh, one gal, I, I think I've mentioned her in the past. I'm pretty sure I did probably in the last uh, Salt Lake sit-down. Uh, she's she's not Anglo. She's she's a mix of something, and she's definitely exotic. And she's she's absolutely she could be absolutely stunning, and yet she's heavily tattooed. And she's in her early 30s. She's hitting the wall. She's getting into kind of panic mode. Uh, she's wanting to settle down and have children and raise a family. And yet, she can't find a guy. Oh sure, she can find plenty of guys that'll fuck her, but she's not finding any guys that want to commit. And part of it, I know, is the, the heavy tattoos. I mean, there's always people that have a tattoo fetish, just like they're chubby chasers or things like that. There are going to be people that have fetishes for tattoos. I had one for a little bit early on when I was back in my 20s before I ever got tattooed. That dating women that had a few tattoos, it was a huge turn on for me back then. Now it's kind of, eh, whatever. You know, and heavily tattooed, it's like, eh, no. Just no. So... Tattoos are a form of advertising, and not just the story that you want people to to know, the, 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 the public face of a tattoo. They, they advertise and telegraph who you were at least, and possibly who you still are. Especially when you have a tattoo that signifies some kind of a, like a disorder, people that have like the autist the autism puzzle pieces to me it's like okay either you're supporting autism maybe you are autistic i don't know maybe someone close to you a family member is has autism and and i get it it's it's a it's you're showing your support for research and understanding in dealing with autism i get it but it also is your thing now. Uh, kind of like the cancer ribbon. Maybe it's someone that survived it. I survived it. You know, my mother survived it. Or you're wearing it. You're putting it on your skin as a, a way of saying, I support those who survived it or didn't. I get it. And, and it's not an inherently negative message. But you're kind of making it who you are. You know, and as, as a, you know, if you're a cancer survivor, okay, great. But for people who didn't have cancer, don't have cancer. Uh, 
I could see having it, you know, to support family. My my mother had cancer. It, it ultimately is what took her life. But I'm not going to go out and get a cancer ribbon tattooed on my body. I am more than just the witness to what cancer can do. Do I support, you know, the fight against cancer? Yeah, of course. I, I would love to see cancer eradicated in all its forms. But I'm not going to get it tattooed on my body. It's you, you, you move on from it. You live with it, you move on from it. You, you, you may not get over it, but you get past it. And to me, someone who tattoos some kind of, you know, a slogan or a symbol of, of a, a disorder, a disease, they're not moving on from it. They're not getting past it. They're identifying with it and solidifying it. You know, because, well, yeah, I have this permanent piece of artwork that is about autism or cancer or whatever it is. You, you're pinning yourself down with it. You're, you're doubling down in a lot of ways. And so seeing someone who has whatever it is, they, in effect, whether they know it or not, I think... They're doubling down on it. Whether it's a music symbol, the, the, the bass clef or the treble clef, they're identifying as I am a musician or at least a music lover. Okay, great. And that's a great conversation piece. They're probably going to be heavily into music. Great. But what else are you? Are you, is this it? Or, you know, I mean, of course there's more, but that's what you're telegraphing. You know, I, I support, you know, the fight against cancer. Okay, well, that's honorable. I mean, who doesn't? You know, I mean, who who's, yay cancer, I hope cancer kills everyone. I want cancer, you know, who, who does that? But you kind of solidify your identity, you know. I mean, maybe if it was someone in their 20s, they got their, their whatever, and now they're my dad's age, they're 70. And, oh yeah, I'm past that. But it's still there. And people are going to judge. You know, even even I, being as tattooed as I am, I judge. It's, it's part of life. You know, is it right? No. Is it kind of hypocritical of me, especially where I've got a bunch of tattoos? Yeah, it is. I can admit that. But it is what it is. And I still, on occasion, judge. You know, that it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're a walking billboard of disorders based on all the different things you've got. And yeah, you can spin your story of positivity and I overcame, but did you really? More often than not, it's just talk. More often than not, you're still enslaved to whatever it is that you have tattooed to you. People that get religious symbols, okay? Religion's a big thing to them. In fact, you know, that's their thing. You you ask them, or sometimes you don't even have to ask them. They'll volunteer it. You know, my, my religion is XYZ. Whether it's traditional religion, or it's the religion of government, the religion of the state. 
I guess in a way, I've seen a lot of people that with their tattoos, their their tattoos are their religion. And for good or bad, or I should really say good and bad. So, it's a way for, especially for the men out there, but even the women, it, it should give you not only, well, what, what does it mean to you on the surface, but read underneath it, you know, dig a little deeper. You'll, usually you'll find kind of like the, you know, not to kind of use a pun, but it's, there's another meaning just under the skin. Just like the ink, the, the pigment that is in, you know, is needled into you, that is injected into you. It's just under the skin. And so people in that sense, they are walking billboards for whatever, whatever they've got. Whatever they've, whatever their tattoos signify, and they tend to stay with it because they've made it permanently part of their body. So keep that in mind, guys. Just a little kind of, you know, heads up, caution here. You know, tread slowly, tread carefully. Ah, uh, okay. Let's talk about deer for a moment. Uh, again, DEER is an acronym. It's Defend, Explain, Excuse, and Rationalize. A lot of guys do that with women. When they want to go do something or they want the woman to do something and they get called into question or they get some resistance, they automatically go into DEER mode. And I've seen this a lot, not just with women, not with just guys interacting with women, but in general. I don't know when it happened. Uh, it's been going on long enough that it's it's almost automatic. And I think for a lot of guys it is automatic. That I think it's a lot of our self-loathing in a way as men. That we come from this position of we need to defend, excuse, explain, and rationalize our very existence. And I see it all the time. And I had an incident recently at work that made me think of it. And and I'm going to give it to you. And understand, I, one, I want to preface it with the guy in question and me. It was, it was meant to be humorous. Uh, I was coming back from route, walking in the door, and this guy comes up to me and he goes, Hey, why didn't you come help me out? And he's smiling and grinning, and, and, and I know he was goofing. But my knee-jerk reaction that I felt myself going to was wanting to defend, explain, excuse, or rationalize to this guy. But then it was like this immediate override of, well, who the fuck is this guy? So I had a couple options. The option I chose was I threw the question right back at him. I, I just turned it right around and was like, why didn't you come help me? You know, but to me it was, I'm not defending, excusing, explaining, or rationalizing. Even though that was my automatic response was to want, even as a joke, was to want to explain myself. Okay. The other response that came up a few minutes later after we'd already did our piece and walked away was, ah, fuck off, dude. You know, again, said more humorously than seriously, but would have been, ah, fuck off, dude. 
you know? I don't owe you an explanation. You're not my boss. You're, you're not God. You know, I don't owe you an explanation for anything. And I don't mean to say that with, like, a chip-on-the-shoulder kind of attitude. But guys, you don't. You don't need to explain, excuse, rationalize, or defend yourself. And I see it all the time. Uh, in real life, I see guys doing it with other men. And I understand that there are times where, yes, you do need to explain yourself. I get it. That, and you'll know when that is. You'll know that, yeah, this uh, I value this man's opinion. Uh, I royally screwed up, whatever. And they are genuinely curious as to what happened. So... There are times that, yeah, you know, you do need to, you do need to explain yourself. But most guys I've met and seen online, in podcasts, in videos, they, they're defending themselves like right off the bat. They're, they're handling the women they're dealing with with kid gloves. They're handling other men with kid gloves. And it's almost this unspoken you know, let me apologize for myself right off the bat. Let me apologize for having my own point of view. Let me apologize for taking up space. Let me apologize for breathing the same air that you breathe. Guys, stop it. Stop defending and explaining, excusing and rationalizing. Stop feeling, you know, stop thinking that you, that you're opinion is somehow less stop excusing yourself for having an opinion stop excuse stop the excuses of having standards uh, I was teasing with another guy same job this was a few hours later and and he overheard this conversation this little back and forth between me and the other guy that why didn't you help me well why didn't you help me he was there. He witnessed it. And he kind of laughed. Because, you know, he watched us banter. We're, you know, it's guys busting balls. It's what we do. But I, uh, I kind of went up to him and I said, what would Thor say to all this? Because he's, he's a fan of Thor, the, the comic book character, the god of Norse mythology. He's a fan of Thor. I said, what would Thor have said in that case? And he goes, I don't know what. And I said, ah, fuck off. You know, he's a god. Why, you know, I don't need to explain myself to a mere mortal. Fuck off. And, and he laughed. And, and it, you know, I hope, it, I hope it's stuck. That it's, dude, you don't need to explain yourself either. You know, like I said, there's always, there's always exceptions, guys. This is not binary. It's not black or white, but most guys I've met, most men I've encountered, they default to this position of, of defending and explaining themselves to anyone and everyone. And I, and I mean that literally. They explain themselves even when an explanation is not needed. I, I've had guys do it to me where... You know, I, I'm not asking for an explanation. They say, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, uh, but, you, you know, do you, you know, they start going into it. Well, well, this is why. And I'm like, dude, 
You don't need to explain yourself to me. You don't want to do it? You don't want to do it. That's fine. You know, I'll find someone else. It's okay. You know, you don't need to explain yourself. You know, if, if I ask for an explanation, I'll, I'll ask. I'll say, hey, you know, can you tell me why? You know, can you tell me why not? I'm, I'm curious. But then it's, it's an honest, hey, I, I want some clarification is all. You know, you don't want to do it because you don't want to do it ultimately. I mean, that's, that, I've said that many times that why do we do the things we do? Because we can. Okay, but stop defending, stop explaining, stop excusing, stop rationalizing. It puts you in a bad light. It puts you in a bad light with women. It puts you in a bad light with other men. Okay, you, you become the weaker one. You're on the defense. Just for existing in some cases. I've done it in the past. I get it. That's why I'm going on a tirade about it right now. I've done it. And if I'm not careful, I'll default back to it. I've, I've done it for years. Probably since, oh God, to a certain degree since childhood. But if not childhood, definitely college. You know, got brainwashed into it, you know, white man bad. That's when it all kind of started. So guys, stop before you go off and start apologizing or excusing or rationalizing any of that. Stop and take a breath and say, you know what? I don't need to apologize. I don't need to explain. No is no. Yes is yes. It is what it is. You don't owe them an explanation nine out of ten times. You don't owe them one. So stop doing it. Own your shit and be okay with it. Be like, I'm going to do this. Well, why? Because it's what I want to do. Because I don't want to do that. So there. You know, I'll see you later. I'm going to go do this anyway. Step aside, please. Okay, so just stop. All right, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, It's... About 35 minutes into the broadcast, uh, let's do a little quick housekeeping real fast and move on to the last few subjects. Uh, if you like what you're seeing, please hit the like button. It sends the tingles to the algorithm of YouTube's vagina and gets more exposure for the video. If you haven't already, please subscribe and then hit the little bell notification so that you will know when I'm on next. Or when I release new content, which I release at least one video a week. Uh, go ahead and go to robsays.net. That's my central point, my flagship. That's where you can find all my social media links, including my Anchor uh, podcast. If you don't want to be tied to a video screen, you just want to listen, you can download the episodes. Uh, I do convert all of these to audio only. Uh, You'll find all my links. I I put out at least one, if not more, uh, blog posts every week. So, robsays.net. Also, you can find me at masculinegeek.com. If you go to YouTube, type in Masculine Geek, it'll bring up the channel. 
go ahead and subscribe to that. Uh, Vincent, TJ, and I go on every week, minimum once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week. We go on for sure every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we've had some big names in the past come on to the show with us, some really great episodes. Uh, we most recently have had uh, Rollo Tomasi on. We've had Sam Bada on, uh, John from Modern Life Dating. Uh, we've had George Bruno on. It, it's been a fantastic thing. We, we bring on some big-name guests, get to hear their side of things. And we try to cover things that aren't necessarily what they, that everybody knows about. So you should check it out. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday. And we're trying out like a every other Saturday morning edition that's 8 a, or 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. We, we're kind of calling it the Saturday morning cartoon episode for right now. But MasculineGeek.com. Check that out, guys. Okay, something I mentioned on, I believe it was the last episode of Masculine Geek, I brought it up briefly, I'm going to talk about it some more here, is, uh, and this is primarily, I mean this is for everybody, but it's really geared towards guys that are considering marriage, or you're considering living with somebody uh, primarily, you know, an, another woman, if you want to move her in, uh, number one, I, I did a video called, should I live with her? I'll put a link up there for that. You need to check that out as well. But let's say that you've met some of the criteria in that video. Let's move on to the next step here. This is kind of after the whole, should I even live with her? You need to look into the law that you live in. You need to look into the marital laws of the state you live in or the country you live in and find out what their what their take is. Because there are a handful of states. If you type in in Google or any of your search engines and you type in uh, common law marriage and your area. Uh, I did that not too long ago. I typed in common law marriage Utah and it brought me the first result was the actual the the government's stance the state's stance it took me to the Utah state you know utahstate.gov took me to the state's definition and I found out that in Utah common law marriage does not exist unless and it gave a handful of things. And luckily for people in Utah, common law marriage does not exist unless basically both parties consent to it. That's it in a nutshell. Okay. Other states will vary. I do know that there are some states that if you cohabitate with someone for a period of time, and that can be as little as six months, or two years or something in that but if you live with someone full-time for X amount of time in the eyes of the state you are now common-law married even if you didn't go and get a, a marriage license and you didn't do a ceremony so guys you need to look into that especially if you want to live with someone 
because if you live in a common law marriage state and you've gone over that period of time, whatever it is, you're now in the eyes of the law, you're married, which means you want to split up. You're now going to have to get divorced. You're going to have to go through a divorce proceeding and you're going to have the state getting involved in divvying up your assets, your debts, all of that. Okay. So as a man, guys, this is in particular for you. You need to do your due diligence. Know what your area's laws are when it comes to common law marriage. And if you live in an area that has common law marriage and you don't want to get caught up in that, I, you know, the simplest answer, it's not the easiest, but it is the simplest, is move. Move to somewhere that does not have common law marriage, you know, especially based on a cohabitation time frame. Which brings me to the next one, community property. Uh, Community property, again, look it up. Look up the definition. I'm not offering legal advice. I am not an attorney. But community property, and there's, I believe, 11 states in the United States that are community property states. And the the definition of it, I'm going to pull it up here. Community property is everything a husband and wife own together. This typically includes all money earned, debts incurred, and property acquired during the marriage. Uh, Community property states classify the following as a married couple's joint property. Uh, I'm going to pull up here and see how many we've got. It's kind of a big deal, guys. Uh, Let's see. Community property states classify the following as a married couple's joint property. Any income received by either spouse during the marriage. Any real or personal property acquired with income earned during the marriage. This includes vehicles, homes, furniture, appliances, and luxury items. Any debts acquired during the marriage. Under community property, spouses own and owe everything equally, regardless of who earns or spends the income. I want to repeat that last part again. Under community property, spouses own and owe everything equally, regardless of who earns or spends the income. Okay? If you are a single income family, you're the breadwinner. I don't care male or female, doesn't matter. And your spouse is the one that stays at home. All property acquired, all income acquired during the marriage, all debts acquired, everything acquired during the marriage is equally half. It's half theirs, half yours. So your spouse goes out and racks up a million dollars in debt. You get divorced. Half a million of it's your problem, even though it was your money that accrued that debt. You know, you, the house you bought, 
half. Which usually means you either have to buy them out, or you have to have them buy you out, or you have to sell it and split the proceeds right down the middle. Same with vehicles. Any of that property. Guys, community property states it's it's a it's they're a landmine. Okay. Now maybe you owned your home before you live in a community property state, you own your home before you got married. Uh, that might be a different thing. But at the same time, guys, yeah, you own your home. I had it, but you know, like me, uh, Utah is not a community property state. So the debts accrued are not necessarily half my problem. My ex-wife debt, that that's her problem, not mine, unless, you know, there's something else going on or a judge decrees it. But by, by law, I am not responsible for her debts in general. Uh, she doesn't get half automatically just because we were married. Okay. Just because we were married and then we got divorced doesn't mean she gets half. Community property states is kind of saying, yep, anything that was accrued during the marriage, half. So if you're thinking of living with someone, you're thinking of getting married, you need to understand first the common law marriage of your area. What defines it, if any? And you need to understand, do you live in a community property area? Does the, you know, the state you live in, is it a community property state? I know Nevada, as an example, is a community property state. Okay. So, protect yourself. Prenups are, they used to be ironclad. Nowadays, a prenup isn't going to get you anywhere if you, if your spouse has a good attorney they can get out of it but this is another step it is understand what the common law of marriage is and it's are you in a community property state if you live in a state and I'll be honest I haven't checked I I don't know if there are community property states that also have common law marriage I don't know I haven't looked uh, I would highly encourage and recommend if you're considering marriage and or cohabitation, you look up both. Find out, because I think one of the worst case scenarios would be you live in a state that is a community property state and also has common law marriage based on time cohabiting. So guys, the burden's on you because the system's stacked against you. So... It's on you to do the homework. Know the area you live in. Is it a community property state? If so, doesn't mean leave, even though personally I'd, I'd consider it if you're going to get married. Uh, understand what the common law of marriage is in your area, if there is one. Because, like I said, there are a handful of states that six months, two years, a year, hey, you're now married. Whether you got a, a marriage license or not, doesn't matter. Now you get to go through divorce. And if it's a community property state, half. Whether you earned all the money, you know, it doesn't matter who, who had the money. Half is going to the other party. Uh, Eddie Murphy, years ago, did a, a live stand-up called Eddie Murphy Raw. And, God, it was back in the 80s like the mid 80s when when Eddie Murphy's career took off 
And I remember in that, he brought up half. That's what he called it, half. And my God, that was 30 years ago. Damn near close enough. And it's, it's still real today. So keep that in mind, guys. Uh, I, I really can't stress that enough. For those of you that want to cohabitate or those of you considering getting married, this is another consideration you need to take into account. You need to look into community property laws and common law marriage. You need to look into that stuff. Protect yourself. It doesn't mean don't get married, don't live with someone, but know what you're getting yourself into in case the day comes that, regardless of who pulls the plug, it it could be you. You could decide, I'm sick of this person's shit, I want out. But if you, you know, live in a a common law place, it may not be so simple to say, well, you know, I want out, we're just going to break up and go our separate ways. You may not be able to, Especially if the other party knows, technically we're we're married. Or if you live in a community property state that also has common law, or you did get married, well, you're probably going to lose half. Half of your assets are going to them, and half of the debt they accrued, or you accrued, or you both accrued. Half of it's your problem now, if not more. You don't get to walk away from a spouse's poor choices in spending. I mean, I kind of think, well, you kind of have it coming because you should have seen it coming. I saw it with my ex, you know, and, and I ended up having to pay for it to a degree. Lesson learned. But don't make the same mistake. You don't have to. All right. Uh, I want to talk about credentials. I'm reading a book right now from a guy named Dan S. Kennedy. It's called Make Them Believe. Uh, It's a great read about a a guy back in the early 20th century named Dr. John Jordan James, Dr. Hinckley. He was was a charlatan. He was a guy that was marketing, of all things, for male virility way before Viagra and a lot of, you know, Cialis, all these other things we have today. He was marketing, believe it or not, a surgical procedure of putting goat testicles in men who were impotent. And he made a fortune doing it. Okay. Now, you could argue his ethics. Uh, Apparently, he did run afoul of the law. But I'm not here to preach and be the the morality police. You do what you got to do and know that, you know, if you fuck up, hey, you're probably going to pay for it at some point. Hey, you're a big boy now. You you do what you got to do. But one of the things I read about that I thought was absolutely fascinating was credentials. This guy wanted credentials to add to his authority so that he could market his material better. And initially he looked into going to school, becoming an actual medical doctor. Well, he found out that the cost and the time it would take, he didn't have the money or the time. He didn't want to, he didn't have the patience to do it. So he found a place that kind of like what you hear about diploma mills. He just went out and basically created his own credentials. And now he's got, you know, his own little 
plaque, his own certificate that says, I am a doctor, which added to his authority. How many times, and I've seen this uh, when I was part of the whole lightworker community, I would see all kinds of credentials for, I've been certified in this modality. I understand Reiki. I understand uh, this, that, or the other. Okay. And I'm looking at that going, well, it's not regulated. You know, massage therapy is regulated and it's a racket. It's the government saying you need to have a business license, at least in Utah, to be a massage therapist. And if you do a little research on it, why did that law come about? Well, it's because prostitutes were hiding under the guise of being massage therapists. When in fact it was just prostitution. But, oh no, I'm not a prostitute, I'm a massage therapist. You just get the happy ending, that's all. Well, so they said, okay, in order to practice massage therapy, you need a license now, which means you need to go to school, which means a lot of money and time you're going to invest. And yes, I understand that part of it could also be to make sure that you know what you're doing properly if you're going to manipulate the human body. Otherwise, you could hurt the person more than they already are. I, I get that. Okay. But it's a racket. It's a way for the government to try to crack down on prostitution, which people are going to go to prostitutes, legal or not. It's the oldest profession in the world for a reason. And again, I'm not part of the morality police. So prostitutes are going to prostitute, whether they, they openly just, yep, I'm a hooker, or they try to hide under the guise of something else. But that was the ruse of why there was, you know, we need to have, you know, massage therapists have to be licensed. That and it's a money racket. You've got to pay for a license and you've got to be certified and this and that. But anyway, there's other modalities of so-called healing. Reiki, uh, quantum touch... Uh, all kinds of bullshit out there that is dubious at best and is just outright bullshit at worst. It's, it's a fraud. But there are people actually making money saying, uh, you know, I will certify you in Reiki. Well, I, I could do that too. I could just go out and create my own certificate. It's not regulated. There's not a business license involved. The state so far has not gotten involved. It's like tarot reading. There are people out there that claim that, oh, you're not a real reader unless you've been certified. Well, who decides the certification? Well, these people over here, well, who the fuck are they? You know? Create your own credentials, guys. Why not? Now, again, you know, you want to go off and say you're a medical doctor and you're not. You get whatever you deserve as far as I'm concerned. And it will come back and bite you in the ass. It will. And you will probably pay a lot of money in fines and probably do time. Hey, that's your thing by all means. But why not? Why not create your own credentials? Why not be the world's greatest podcaster? I was certified under Aaron Clary. I, I've, I've got 
one of the five awards that Aaron Clary ever handed out. I've got the Clary Podcast Award for excellence. Okay. I don't have it on display because it's in the other room. I'll have to hang it here and, you know, take down the green screen and let you see it. I've also got the, uh, the Martinell Award of Achievement. Uh, TJ Martinell gave me an award. Highly coveted. There's only two. And I believe Aaron Clary's got the other one. Uh, and I've also got the Vince LaRosa Award of Excellence as well. And as far as I know, according to Vince, there's only one, and I've got it, man. That makes me kind of the top dog. So I, I definitely need to frame them and hang them. It'll give me more credibility. So, guys, create your own credentials. Why not? It's fun. And it'll if, if you need a little more weight in being persuasive, credentials are a good way to do it. Having a diploma hanging on your wall can do it for you in some cases. Why not? You know, it's like I said, I'm not going to be the morality police. I, I get a kick out of it. I think it's great. All right. So have fun creating your own credentials, guys. Why not? Instead of paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars from some other dipshit telling you, well, here, I trained you. Now you, you're certified. Unless... Unless there is some kind of legal thing behind it. You know, oh, you need this to practice medicine. Well, then you probably ought to get the real thing. Or if it's, you know, if it's a business licensing thing. You know, the the state will rape you and they will put you in prison and they will fuck you in the ass on a daily basis if you don't have it. Yeah, then you probably ought to do the work. You probably need to jump through the hoops and pay the fees, pay the extortion, and fucking get the card that says you can do this. But anything else, if there's not some kind of legality involved in it, ah, fuck it, who are these other people? I, you know, hypnosis, you gotta be certified. No, you don't. Go learn hypnosis. Granted, I would learn from someone versus just book learning, but... One certification is good as another. It really is, other than the snobs who paid whatever. Well, I got it from so-and-so. Oh, so you just paid more money, that's all. You know, you went with the guy that claims he's the, you know, he's the self-claimed expert. He's just a good marketer. Now, maybe his material is good. I'm not saying it isn't. But really, his best thing is, if everyone knows about it, he's a hell of a marketer. That's what he is. And yeah, it just happens to be that he has good material. But I've seen guys that have absolute garbage, but everyone knows about them. Well, their material's shit, but what they are is a great marketer. And you paid a lot of money to have a certificate because you learned under the greatest marketer ever that just happened to know fuck all about hypnosis. And I'm not picking on hypnotism, guys. It's just one of the things that I enjoy reading about and, and, and practicing in my own way. And so I've encountered a lot of things about that. And, you know, be a certified, you know, and it's like, oh, well, there's no legality here on that. Your certification doesn't mean anything other than wowing somebody. It, it doesn't make you better. It doesn't mean you can't practice it just because I don't have a certification from so-and-so. You can practice it. You know, maybe, you know, in your country, maybe there is legal 
ramifications, and so you have to pay the extortion and get your license. Here in the United States, not as much. You know, just depends on the locality, depends on where you where you work, where where you're practicing, whatever it is, wherever it is you want to hang your shingle. Look into it. If it if it's if there's not a law on it, you don't need certification. Really, you can make up your own. So why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, this last week, uh, Vincent inspired me. To, I hate using that word, but it's true. He inspired me to kind of do my own modified version of monk mode. And so other than checking emails and publishing content, I have not been online. Now, Monday was the first day. And I'll admit, I screwed up. Uh, I, I ended up checking emails. The next thing I know, I'm knee-deep in Twitter. And it's like, oh, fuck, I wasn't going to do this. So I had to get off. I had to get off Twitter. It's worth it, guys, because you get caught up and you don't realize until you, until you make the conscious effort to not do something, like being online. You don't realize how much time you spend online until you're not online. Uh, it was a great experience. It, my stress levels went way down. Uh, it gave me a lot of free time that here I was thinking, God, I don't have enough time to do things. Man, I've had all kinds of time. I realized, oh my God, I'm spending way too much time online. That, you know, creating things, hey, that's, that's all well and good. But I was spending way too much time surfing, uh, scrolling the feeds. It's like, whoa, no, man. So I got to get out in the world and, and, and have time slow down a bit. Uh, got to enjoy the fact that, huh, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but fuck it rained. It's been raining all week long. I feel like I'm in Seattle or something. It's like, this This is Utah. We're the desert. It's supposed to be sunny. We should only get like an inch of rain a year type of thing. Instead, we've already had like seven inches of rain in one week. It's like, holy shit. Today is going to be a nice day, supposedly. It's supposed to be kind of partly cloudy, low 60s. No, high 60s. Like 68. So I'm definitely, once I get done here, I'm going to go out and enjoy the day but every day it, it came down to like even yesterday it's like the the urge to want to get online diminishes as you're doing other things and so I would recommend it you know do do a day or two for starts if you know that god I just I can't give it up you know like for a week but do a day or two and then go to a week and then maybe go for two weeks other than you know if you want to be a content producer yourself you know if you're creating content fine post it you know publish it get it out there but make the the the, the decision the conscious choice to not be wasting time reading and watching and what other people are doing stay you know disengage you'll you'll find you'll free up a fuck ton of time 
You'll uh, find that if you do tend to get irritated or agitated, your stress levels will go down. And that's the only thing I changed. You know, I didn't change anything else. Everything else was as usual. It was just, okay, I'm I'm not going to get on the Facebook. I'm not getting on Twitter. I'm not going to do these, you know, these things where all I'm doing is just surfing. So do that. Give it a shot. You might find it frees up. If anything, it frees up a bunch of time for you. And it'll give you an idea of just how much time you're actually spending thinking you're being productive when in fact you're just spinning your wheels. And the last thing is a final note. I mentioned it at the beginning, so I'm going to wrap it up more as just kind of an interesting side note, and that is dreams. As far as I know, everybody dreams. Um, I don't remember my dreams typically. I know I do dream, but usually by morning, I they're gone. Once in a while, something will stick. And for me, I've found that my most memorable dreams, my most intense dreams, I wouldn't necessarily call them nightmares. You know, they're not full-on nightmares, but they're definitely intense. They are the ones that I remember, and they're always my first dream of the night. They always happen within, like, the first hour to hour and a half of me going to sleep. How do I know that it's the first hour, hour and a half? Because they're intense enough that I'll wake up. And and I'll see what time it is. And it's usually about an hour to an hour and a half from when I went to sleep. So they're early on for me. You know, my ex-girlfriend could recall practically every dream she had throughout the entire night, and she'd tell me all about them. And, you know, which is fine. Um, People, I think, in my own opinion, put way too much stock in dreams. You know, trying to decode them. You know, what do they mean? And and, and, and try to make them significant. I, I don't see dreams as that. To me, a dream is not a premonition. It is not precognition. It's, it's, it's your mind doing a mind dump. It's, it's your mind getting rid of whatever was on it at some point. It's just a way of kind of jettisoning the garbage is how I look at dreams. Not to say that dreams aren't entertaining, that they can be intense, sometimes even frightening because of how intense they are. Sure, I mean, nightmares happen. But I don't put a lot of stock and faith in dreams. I don't try to decipher them. A lot of times for me, I know what the dream meant. It's like, oh yeah, that was, it's self-evident. It was obvious. It's, uh, I was dreaming of this. Well, yeah, it's because that's what I was thinking about right before I fell asleep. And I've had dreams where I got the answer to a problem. That's a good way to solve some of your problems if you're stuck. Think about it right before you go to sleep. Chances are you'll dream about it. And if it's intense enough, it'll wake you up. And I would say write that shit down because it'll give you the answer. It's your subconscious mind finally getting freed up from your conscious mind, from you worrying about it and dwelling on it. And it comes up with an answer. And usually it's like, oh my God, I didn't even see it. You know, it's right there in front of you. But beyond that... There's not a lot. Hey, how you doing, bud? Hello to you. 
Glad you could join. Uh, thanks for the comments. I think you were the one that commented on my last video. I appreciate it. So, just kind of, an, like I said, a little interesting uh, anecdote is the dreams I've had, the most intense ones, the most memorable ones, is usually within the first hour, an hour and a half of me going to sleep. So, thought I'd just share that with you guys. Don't know how you deal with them in that case, if you remember them or not. Don't put too much weight into them, you know, don't worry about them too much. It's just your mind kind of taking a dump, getting getting the crap out. So, uh, Thanks for everyone who's joined on and came on. Like I said about half hour or so ago, please like the video, the likes, uh, generate the, the tingles for the algorithm of YouTube, which gets more exposure. Uh, hit subscribe if you haven't. Hit the notification bell. That way you'll know when I've got new material coming out. Uh, go ahead and share this with someone if you think you got value out of it and think someone else would get value out of it. Share it with them. But it's going on in about an hour and ten minutes. I, I'm hungry. I want to get something to eat and I want to make the most of my day. Uh, so I'm going to tell you guys I'm signing off right now. Have a great day, great night, whatever it is you're doing, whatever part of the world you're in. Uh, make the most of your time, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.